Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I am JQ. So last week I put out an appeal for a review on iTunes and it seems to have worked because I have one review. Brilliant. So uh, thanks Theo for that review. I didn't even know you were listening, so hello to you. Uh, I've also got six six star ratings, uh, five of them five star, which is amazing. And one person has given me four star and uh, I don't know who you are, but I will find you. Uh, but well, four stars is fine. Uh, I'm not going to complain about that. So back to this week's episode, we are going international again, uh, down to uh, Southern Hemisphere again. And we say g'day to, yeah, I won't, I really shouldn't do an Australian accent. It's a very funny man. It's Mr. Nick Ellery. So Nick, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for coming. Uh, my pleasure. So you're the second Australian we've had on the show. All right. Who is the other one? Damo. 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 Slightly different style, shall we say? Yeah, we have similar energy levels, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah. Quite exactly the same. Yeah. He wears a cap. He wears a cap. Um, how many Australians do you think they're on the circuit at the moment? Because I've seen at least four or five. Uh, yeah, that's. There's more Canadians, it seems. I know there's really? a lot. Of, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of good Canadians. I just noticed them more. Um, ah. You know, like Chris Betts and Mike Shear and John yep. Hastings. And I saw a new guy last night called Dave something. Tacone. That's an unusual surname. Yeah, Dave something. <laughs> uh, I think it's an alias myself. But and Australians, there's a few. I don't know. I don't really. Uh, maybe I have an aversion to hanging out with Australians. Yeah. I don't know. I know I don't because I have very good Australian friends. But yeah. Perhaps just as a uh, an instinctive reaction to being in London and not wanting to just consort with your own kind. Yeah, now the walkabout's closed, they've all gone home. I know, I know, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. So Dam- Damien's really good. And no, you're right, there's Beck Hill. Beck Hill's great. In terms of our level, yeah. our circuit, Eric Pohl, he does the dirty dancing bit. Yes. Yeah, yep. like him. And there's another young fellow with long hair. Two reasons not to like him, but he's actually quite good. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to be, now that I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of really good friends. <laughs> That's always the way though, isn't it? When you put on the spot like this, but, uh, but there's a, certainly no shortage of Australians generally in London. Yeah, it's quite, I used to work with a lot, but then it seems to have disappeared a bit now. Hmm. Yeah. When I first came to London, I felt like I was very, very interesting because I came all the way from Australia. Yeah. 16 years ago. And... I'd sort of talk to people and go like, yeah, I'm from Australia. And I'd be like, oh, that is fascinating. You know, really, what are the chances of that in London? You know? In Shepherd's Bush. Yeah, yeah. So you've lived here for 16 years now? Yes. And what made you want to be funny in front of other people? Um, well, I've always, I've always wanted to be funny in front of other people. I've always been trying to make people laugh yep. in my life from when I was very young. And yeah, that's been a constant thing. Uh, as this has only started to do it on stage uh, two years ago because yeah. I had a friend who I used to be in a band with and we wanted to meet up for a drink one night and he said, oh, you could come and see me gig. And I said, oh, are you in a band? And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stand-up comedy. And I was like, well, how, the, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have occurred to me to actually, probably something I'd thought about before, but I hadn't, because I didn't know anyone who did it. Yeah. I didn't know the the route yeah. to go about it. I think pretty similar for me. A friend of mine just said, oh, I'm doing a stand-up comedy course. Mm. I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, the, the friend of mine did actually do the, the Logan Murray course ah. as well. And that 
was probably the uh, when you first start looking at it and you go, well, how the hell do I start doing this? If you can say, well, you could do this, do a course. Yeah. And you go, well, okay. At did least that gives me a taste. Then? Yeah, I did the locomotive ah, course. Okay. Yeah. I keep meeting people that I didn't know that did it, that have done it. Yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's, it's a while ago now, so it doesn't yeah. really feel like, and this is not to dismiss Logan or his, or his work. It doesn't, this later on, it doesn't really feel like I'm a, a graduate, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of people out there. He's got 2,000 friends on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I do a gig and there's like the list of people on Facebook and you think who are they if it's got Logan's picture on there you go oh they've done the yep. course yeah yep. <laughs> how do you think the course changed what you do or do you think you just do what you're doing regardless of the course I think I pretty much do what I do In ter- uh, the course for me was brilliant because it made me look at getting together a set yeah and some very basic stuff about uh, mic technique and things like that yeah which I still to this day I have troubles being heard really because I'm naturally quiet yeah yeah I've just taught Wes at um, Funny Feckers how to use his microphone right positioning it <laughs> uh, no because um, he had the gain turned down too much on the mixer right yep so it makes it if you turn the gain down the sensitivity is really low so you have to have it right close to your mouth yep so if you turn the gain up yep. you can have it half a foot away and it will pick yeah. you up yeah well, I, I like a hot microphone. Yeah. Uh, so that I, so that if I do want to get right up close to it and be and be quiet and nuanced, I I can, because I'm not a I'm not a shouter. Yeah. Uh, but so as far as what Logan the course gave me, and it was it, well, it gave me the first, it gave me a a, a, a sand pit to play in mm. before going out into the big world. Yeah. And that's the main thing. I in terms of what I find funny and the 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 sort of things that i do uh i think they're pretty much me and they're how i've always done yeah. tried to make people laugh even when i you know before i ever got onto stage and i think that is exactly what logan wanted to do on the course which yeah. is to not dictate how you are funny but to enable you to you know dig it out of yourself yeah it's always like found- a tapeworm <laughs> <laughs> i always found it difficult to expand an idea mm. so go and do the course and just sort of playing around and you go oh i can just take this little bit make it a lot longer mm. bigger just unpack the funny out of it mm. is your stuff based on things that actually happen or do you kind of embellish a lot nah mostly what happened yeah and and it's usually so i mean i've got jokes in there i've got little asides and jokes which you know hopefully don't detract from the the main you know push of where the the the, the bit is going but the more and more the comedy arises from stuff that happens or stuff that I've done or experiences but my reaction to that or the way yeah. it makes me feel and that's I think that's how it's meant to progress really that you you get more of an idea of who you are on stage and yeah. that's what you're trying to get across because I talk to friends about I've had people say you know oh you know that bit where you where this happens and like this would be a really great tag for that or this could happen. and you just go well but that that didn't happen <laughs> yeah and I think I can be too, I can be a bit precious about that, but then and I don't mind tweaking things a little bit. Yeah, but you don't want it to. So suddenly I'm this character, and I don't I don't make sense anymore because I've chucked this in for the sake of a joke. Yeah, and now it's like how they totally fucked The Simpsons. I haven't watched The Simpsons for a long well, time. Neither have I. But when you're so, but they just they change the characters willy nilly now. Really, and their motivations and their behaviour. Right. So there's no consistency. So it's kind of. There's still great writing and jokes in there, but it's, it's felt, it feels like it's lost its heart. Um, so going back to... So you've been doing this two years now. 
Yes. But you just started winning lots of different things. I, I won one thing. I was in the Up the Creek final. Up the Creek, yep. Which was great. Which is cool. Who was in the final with you? Uh, the winner was Sarah Callahan. Right. The runner-ups. Runners. She got that sort of long black hair. Uh, short girl, dark, yeah, dark brown hair. Yeah, sort of. Uh, tracksuit top. Tracksuit top, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good. Evelyn Mock was second. Was it good being... Did you feel that you were at that level as well, or...? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in terms of audience reaction on the night, yeah. And this is something I've noticed is that when I have a good gig, quite often I'll have certain people really enjoying it. Yeah. You'll say a joke, and they laugh at the right places in the right way. Yeah. Where you go, like, oh, you'll get, you know exactly what I was doing there, what I was, what I was doing. You, you get it, get that the way I, the way I get it. Yeah. Which is why I've said it. And then there are people who are just, you know, I don't really get into that. And on that night at Up the Creek. There were, I was doing well with quite a lot of people, but then there was a significant amount of people who just weren't that excited by yeah. it. And that's, that's all right. That's fair. Um, I don't know if I, I mean, ideally I'd get all of the people. <laughs> that's a lot of aims, isn't it? I don't know if I'm, <laughs> do you know, is, if I, my thing, is my thing that accessible to everyone? Not well, that it's you, difficult, but. In terms of material or performance? Ah, that's a good point. Probably both, um, because my material tends to be about me. Yep. And, you know, if what I'm talking about is is kind of exclusive to, you know, white, middle-aged, Western guys. Yeah. Um, and in terms of performance, I know I'm not very high energy. It's a bit dry. And so the short answer to your question was, <laughs> I kind of felt like I was... In a uh, the the result on the night was in, entirely fair. Yeah, but I did I did good. I had a good gig. Good. I didn't feel out of my depth. And we've both done Angel on a Thursday night recently. Yes. Yes. Both following. Did you you did it with Tony Law? Yes. Did you follow him? No. Ah, thankfully. Right, because I did. Ah, how'd that go? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> and we've both been live scribed as well. Yeah, that's quite yeah, cool. That's that, quite isn't nice. It? Yeah. yeah, I really like his work. Peter yeah, Maury, yeah, very clever. Got my just me and a little one of my jokes just up in the top corner. Yeah, I saw your was it the dude factory? Yeah, got on dude there? factory line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's another ref, <laughs> another reference in there to a, a line I have about uh, breaking up with girlfriends and my mum's reaction. Ah, um, did, did you find it daunting? Well, I didn't go straight on after Tony Law. Mm. I because uh, Barry had a couple of dropouts, so he texted me um, and said, "There's you know, do you want a, a spot tonight?" So I had to race there, and when I got there, Barry had been on stage for about fifteen minutes, really, just holding it. Yeah, and then I got here and was like, "I'm gonna straight go straight on." Ah, okay. How did that feel? And uh, it was fine. But I've done I've done Angel quite a lot, and because I help out there once a month, yeah, I've done, I must have played Angel like fifteen times really? now over the since I started. Because I've only done it about five times and never done well. I've yeah, I tend to go pretty well there. Yeah, but then. I don't know. It's the right. I so I, I am now very confident on the Camden Head stage. That really helps. So yeah. I was there last night, and getting up onto that stage feels entirely natural. And doing, you know, most of the stuff that I would do on that stage, if it's not new stuff, it's stuff that I've done there before, and it's gone okay. So yeah. there's a real sense of ease yeah. that I don't have in other venues. Really if good. I go somewhere new for the first time, and you're you know you're looking at the audience going, oh geez, what's the age range, and you know. And you're looking at the lighting and you go, oh, they're going to be able to hear me at the back and yeah. all that stuff. And 
also just physically knowing the like the dimensions of the stage and knowing that you're visible there because yep. you've just done it a lot. That's familiarity breeds breeds ease. I think that's what I had with Funny Feckers the night before did really well because I know Wes well. We were having a laugh with the audience before and I fixed yeah. the microphone stand so the audience knew who I was before I went on stage. You had brownie points for fixing the hardware. Exactly. So it went just really well. So I thought that's why I could do it at Angel but it just... Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> What's yeah. your favourite venue to play apart from Angel? I obviously have a soft spot for the Cavendish Arms. Yep, for sure. Performing so, at tonight. Yes, well, I'm going to drop in and do some new stuff. Yeah. Ah. So, because I have access to that as a place to perform, um, I'm trying to make as much use of that as I can mm-hmm. and get through new material yeah. quickly. And, you know, one of the nice things about the Cavendish Arms is they'll always have your back, even when you suck. <laughs> they'll always have your back. So that's been a great... That's been a great use to me. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I mean, the obviously the the, the the bigger bigger places or being on pro bills is what you, I'm, I'm aiming for now, rather than just the the open mic nights. I always used to enjoy the Freedom Fridge. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Rufus and Howard. Yeah. At the Torriano, I've, I've always really enjoyed that. As far as best gigs go, you've mentioned this one before, uh, Lurgershall. Ah, oh, you did it. Yeah, I did Lurgershall. Yeah, did you get a bit of... Uh, yeah. yeah, I did get nothing. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Tim forgot to put the bucket out, which really? I remind of him every time I see him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reminding him now on this podcast. Well, um, that was that went very well, that Felt gig. like a rock star afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were, really, they were really into it. <laughs> they were laughing at everything. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're, there's nothing I like more in an audience than a lack of discernment. <laughs> As far as places that I play regularly, the only places that I play really regularly are the open mic type things like the Cavendish and Camden Head. Yeah. And there's venues that I've not gotten an in with, like the Comedy Cafe. I know people who do the Comedy Cafe regularly. I've done it once, didn't do particularly well, and, and never had an email returned, uh. which is, you know, that's fine. It's Yeah. I'm not, no, one, no one owes you a gig. No. Um, I... Because of the Up the Creek competition and doing the blackout a couple of times, I've done Up the Creek four times now. Ah, okay. And I really enjoy that. But then, you know, I've always had a, a reasonable gig there. Whether you consider the blackout a regular gig, I don't know, but I've I've enjoyed it. You, you beat the blackout there, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Outside of that, I feel like I'm in a... An un- this is going to sound really dickish or arrogant, but I've done a lot of a lot of open micing over the last couple of years, and I'm still going to be doing open micing. Mm. But I am focusing primarily on, rather than doing five gigs a week in rooms primarily populated by other comics, uh, I am trying to do, it may even be better to do two gigs a week in good venues rather than doing five gigs a week in, yeah. in you know, very average venues. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have a hard and fast rule about that. But um, What's your plan for sort of getting the better gigs? Because I'm not really sure how to do it yet. Networking with the people that run them? Networking's good, but... Doing good, being seen to do good is the best thing. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing first, isn't yeah. it? Be funny. Just trying, yeah, just trying to be better, you know. And eventually, word gets around that you're, you're not a, you know, you're not crap and you're not a dick. Being, yep. being a decent person and sticking to your, what you say you're going to do and showing up on time <clears> and, and doing all that stuff all all helps. Yep. I get slightly nicer gigs now because I because so I've got three things on the CV which are the BBC New Act competition. I was just a contestant. I didn't didn't place but uh, or didn't yep. get didn't get through the the heats but it still looks good up the creek final 
and the winner of the Max Turner at the Cavendish Arms. Yes. They I have gotten more emails back from people oh. now that I've got those things to and say. Did you mention email. those on the emails as well? Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Well, when you email someone who hasn't seen you before, you say, yes. hey, I really like a gig. These are the gigs that I have been doing and these are the little accolades that I have. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective, though, I, I went on a, I did a gig recently. We drove to the gig with Nick Hall and the MC was Dave Ward. We're driving up there and Nick Hall asked me, said, oh, you're getting more gigs now that you are. You won that comp? And Dave said, oh, what uh, what comp was that? I said, oh, the Max Turner. And he goes, oh, who's, who's Max Turner? And, oh, you know, it's at the uh, Cavendish Arms. He goes, oh, what's the Cavendish Arms? And I go, oh, it's open mic night in Stockwell. Goes, oh, right. And Nick goes, yeah, it's a bringer. I go, oh, right. And so for Dave, who's a professional comedian, it's not on the radar at all. No. It's not. It has no... I There's no you. reason to know about that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. But at, at our level, it has a tiny bit of cachet. Yeah. Just winning something, winning something it has been really helpful. And it's not a prestigious gig, but... It's good, though. I've been up on the clap-off once. Never won it. That's a very random thing, though, the clap-off. They tend to not... They tend to clap on the one half and not the other half. So I was in the, mm. in the second half and no one, no one got clapped at all. Yep. Or bought a drink, I should say. Um, so I never even got an opportunity to go up. So it was a bit like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't place too much in it. You know, quite often you'll see the the winners of the clap off will be charity cases. Whoever's got the most mates, whoever's got the most mates, or whoever they feel the most sorry for. <laughs> it's not always the case, but it can be. You know, and then other times it's just genuinely someone who's who's made them laugh a lot. Yeah, because I, I I find that I did one of them and did the gig and it didn't go well and I kind of fluffed the lines and sort of got it all wrong a bit. Didn't get through the clap off, obviously. And then a guy came on a few after me. He did the same thing, sort of fluffed it and got it all wrong. But then he his recovery from that was really good. And then he got through to the clap off. So I need to learn how to just how to be good at everything. Like even failing, you got to be good at. Yeah, but it, it's just being present. You know, it's mm. like at the the Gong Show mm. when people feel like they're watching something that's actually happening in the moment, rather than you know you doing your monologue. Yeah. You know, when I started, if anything happened that threw me off my script, I, I totally... Yep. Whereas, you know, now I, I, I almost would like to have some mild interaction happening just to kind of bring it to life. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I've, I'll show you the picture I've got later. I've got a, a little prop that I use on stage now. It kind of gets a big laugh and a clap sometimes when I bring it out. Okay. Which is quite cool. Uh, unexpected as well. Because uh, Tim Ashworth, when we did the gig at Charlie Wright's, he was quite surprised at how quick I am to dive into the audience and start talking to him hmm. which is I kind of like doing that it's yeah. a bit more because I watched Mickey, Mickey Flanagan's DVD right and obviously it was it was great material but he was clearly he could have been saying exactly the same thing and there was no one there because <clears throat> there's one or two bits where someone heckled him and he broke out of character sort of dealt with it and then slipped back into the yep. routine again it's very clear sort of slip hmm. and it just felt mm, I don't want that I want to be more more fluid. Yeah, and sort of chatting with people. What I'm yeah. chasing is when you're in the pub with your mates, messing around. Yeah, and I know, I know what you mean, but then I sometimes early on I would sort of go, oh, and I'd ask the audience a question and and they'd say nothing or they'd say something that you weren't expecting and yeah. I was left looking, you know, like you'd be like, oh, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've had exactly the same thing, yeah. It's like, don't... <laughs> I don't, I don't know what the secret to that is. There's some um, people who do that really, really well. I saw a guy called Jimmy McGee mm. at uh, Crack Comedy in Kingston, 
and most of the set was him riffing off the audience yeah. and he was very very good he made and it was quite mainstream stuff in terms of what he was talking about you know about kingston being posh and things like that and there yeah. were a bunch of uh triathletes in the audience and he was taking the piss out of them a bit and it was kind of big obvious angles but really really well done he was making me laugh at a gig which is quite hard these days because you know we're all get burnt out yeah and he was making me laugh talking about how posh kingston is and he did that without mentioning hummus which <laughs> i thought was an achievement but you know he the only way he got to do that is by gigging constantly for yeah. seven years or something because when i was at angel on friday and most of the guys i'd seen before so i kind of knew their material but they were performing it really well mm. do you stick to the same stuff or are you trying new bits all the time if it's a good gig i stick to stuff yeah that i know works because i want to do well and yeah. i want to get invited back i did a little bit of new stuff at angel last night but then it's a new material night so yeah. that's 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 all right but i sandwich it in other stuff that i know do you ever mention it's new or you just do it as if it was i no not at angel i wouldn't yeah and again angel is a gig that i always wanted to be able to get invited back so I would err on the side of not doing new material there if I was unsure about it. Yeah. Or if it was if I'd sandwich it with the good stuff because yeah. again I just want to get invited back. Uh, that's not very daring, but whereas at the Cavendish, I could say, "Oh, I've got an amazing five minutes that I want to try and get up there, and it'll it'll it won't go well." Mm. I know that because I've done it, and <laughs> I am. I did learn the hard way that you're better off sandwiching. Yes. At any gig, yeah. and. Because, just because. <laughs> it'd be nice to just come up with five, for me anyway, if you, I mean, it'd be nice to just come up with five minutes of great new material that all gels together and you yeah. know how to make it funny. And But it hasn't happened yet. Even if you're doing like five minutes of new, will you just start with something you know works just to get you going? Yeah, well, I'll have a, 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 I've got a couple of different opening lines. Obviously the classic one that would work today. Ah, oh, which is that? Um, the, being poorly lit. Oh, yeah, 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 yep. That that does go well. It's funny that that was never that was a, an afterthought I added on to something else. Yeah, and it's become uh, a fairly a fairly safe opening gag. Yeah, for pretty much every gig I, I can do. If it's a if it's a if it's at the Cavendish or something, or if it's at a slightly more comedy savvy gig, I've got a couple of different ones that I do, which reference more the fact that it's a stand up gig. Okay, a bit meta, a bit meta. I tend to do that. If it's a gig where it doesn't matter, and I hate to, you know, I don't like describing the Cavendish as this, as that, but it doesn't matter insofar as if I tank, I can still go back. I'm only going to go up there and do something if I think there's actually something good in it. Yes. So the chances, yeah. What was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Just always start with uh, a solid opening just to get the ball rolling. Yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. Mm. Or if it's a gig gig. So when we're talking about gigging, quite often we're talking about open mic gigs. Yeah. And if it's not an open mic gig, if it's on a pro bill, which I get very, you know, occasionally get a middle 10 or something like that, yeah. then it's safe all the way. I'm, uh, you know, I don't play with that. Yeah. I'm not confident with playing with that yet. Whereas the open mic thing, if it's a good open mic night, like this is uh, I don't want to damn the other open mic nights. <laughs> but if it's a good one where, so the king, king's head, where there's a chance that you're going to get a, a nicer gig out of it, then yeah, play it safe at the start. Maybe do a bit yeah. of new material in the middle. Same as at the Camden head. I find it quite difficult to time yourself. Yeah, I 
I just rely on the watch now. Yeah. I've got a general idea, you know, the bits, there's the chunk about that and there's the chunk about that and occasionally I'll put them in different order and there's yeah. some new stuff in there and I know that there's, and I'll think, well, if I get up to four minutes or if I get up to six minutes and I'm doing seven, yeah. then I'm going to top it with this bit. So I have that, but I don't, I no longer work on a, let's say it all beforehand in order and the time it right. to give you yeah. your 10 minutes. Yeah. But then that's just because the bits that I'm putting together, I've done, I've got a kind of general idea in my head how long they are. And I don't, I'm not at the position where I'm going to start riffing yeah. in the middle of something and yeah. get taken off on a different angle and explore that. Yeah. And then come back to the main <laughs> theme. Yeah, that's um, a bit of a skill, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not, let's not run before we can walk. <laughs> yeah. So it's all about longer sets. Um, so you're preparing for an Edinburgh show. Yes. Half an hour. Yes. Doing a double up with... Uh, ben Clover. Ben Clover. How's that going so far? It's, it's good because we've submitted the application yeah. and we've registered. Have you and got your pleasure. That's yet? all we've done so far. Right. Ben is probably ahead of me in terms of the getting his act together because I think he's done a couple of 20 spots. Right. And I don't know. I know that I've actually got quite a bit of material, but I want to give it some shape. The I... When we first started doing this, sh- talking about doing this show, yeah, and I thought, okay, well, it's going to be half an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to try and design this half hour so that it has a, a some kind of structure to it. Yeah, maybe you know, even a theme. If it, the thing is, if it was a theme, it'd be the theme would be me. <laughs> so finally, someone's going to explore that. You know, people have been crying out for that. But so I was thinking about that, and then we got our venue, which is the bus. The bus. The bus. Have you been so, to the I haven't French? been to Edinburgh okay. at all yet, so I literally well, know nothing about it. The bus is it's a double-decker bus parked in the, the courtyard of the Three Sisters pub, which is on Cowgate, which is really, really busy at fringe time. And it's a laughing horse venue. It's got about five or six rooms in it with shows going all day. Big courtyard out the front, beer garden. And okay, it's yeah. busy. It's always busy. And it's brilliant to be playing there. Because it won't be that hard to get people into the into the venue, so we won't have to do much flyering. Cool, which is good because flyering is the the worst thing in the world yeah, to do. Yeah, doesn't sound like something I want to do. No, so that's great. But the bus, it's a top deck of a double decker bus. That's the that's the venue, and it's got a little PA in Can there. Can you stand stuff. up in it? Just right. Richard Todd was doing it two years ago. You know Richard Todd with the big hair. Yeah, yeah. I think he's at the Funny Feckers on Wednesday. Yeah, big hair. Long body. Yep. Yeah. So he did it and he survived. <laughs> I'll probably have to do it on my knees. Probably why his, his posture's fucked now. <laughs> the we're, on, we're doing that at 10.30 at night. Right, okay. And it's, it's a busy pub, you know, and it's probably going to get a bit, might get a bit rowdy. Certainly mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday nights we can expect to be pretty lively. And it's good. It's, good. it's great. It's a great gig to do. But after finding out that, I thought, no, I just need to have half an hour of jokes, good jokes. You know, the theme is going to be irrelevant. Save. You can always manage the stuff around so it kind of fits into some sort of flow. Yeah. I mean, it'll give a, you know, whether it's some sort of narrative. Does it, yeah. does it even need a narrative? As long yeah. as I've got like, you know, some big chunks that kind of fit together and drag people through. Yeah. For that room, I'm just, the trouble with having a, a, a set narrative in that room is if you get interrupted, you know that feeling when you try and get back to a narrative where you've been disrupted? Yeah. And it just feels weird. So I tend, if I get interrupted by something, I did a gig the other night and I was a bit into the first bit and the audio, the room was just really loud. People were talking and so I broke off to tell people to shut up. Really? And and they did, 
but I just abandoned the bit I was on because right. it would have been weird. You know, you know, shut up. Right. And so I was saying yeah. um, <laughs> it just felt it would have just felt weird. So I started on a different bit and continued and, and it went OK. So I don't know if having a, a really set narrative is the, the way to go in the way yeah. that I've got my 10 minutes now. I've got 10 minutes of material and that's kind of modular in that I've got, a, you know, a three or four, a couple of three or four minute chunks. Yeah. With some other bits in between, and they can be mixed and matched a little bit, yeah. Depending on the the crowd, if you think you look at the crowd and you think, "Oh, I actually need to have some big dumb jokes at the start," <laughs> then well, it's, that can be really useful yeah. at times. You know, these guys really need to know that I can tell jokes first mm. before I can start doing any of that. They've got to trust you, haven't they? Yeah. Are you doing that for the whole run? Yes. Because I'm going to go out for the first week, just do some open spots, just to see. To see what it's like really yeah you'll have a blast yeah hopefully um just trying to find some accommodation at the moment it seems to be a pain yeah it's pricey yeah luckily it's only a week so it shouldn't be too bad mm. Mm. so where do you see yourself say years time ah that's a good question i uh i need to think about this a lot more because <laughs> as in personally i need yeah. to think about this a lot more because i've generally just been focused on trying to get good and that would have you know that's been the end in itself mm. is that i want to be funny yeah and good do you think you've got there yourself do i have that in myself or do you think you've got there being good oh, i've gotten better yeah I've gotten better i mean i'm still miles away from where i'd like to be yeah it's just seeing the guys on friday it's just like i'm not as good as that yet you know i'm i'm on bills i've i've done bills you know not long ago where I'll be on an, e- on an equal ranking with the, the people on the bill and you go, damn, you're all way better than me. <laughs> and you always tend to be more harsh on yourself. Mm. But then you also... I read the um, the Sophie Hagen article on Chortle. The 24 <clears throat> Things. 24 Things. Yeah, I haven't read that one yet. It's a good article, man. Yeah. And it's, a, it's painful to read because you look at it and you go, you know what, you're right. If I actually want to get really good at this i need to be this hard ass about it right okay and that doesn't because part of me thinks you know no it's kind of an artistic and you know almost a spiritual thing and there's this you know <laughs> this in you know indefinite thing that i'm trying to hit at these times and i'm trying to evoke this and it's like no just are they laughing <laughs> are they laughing what's the answer <laughs> well no i think they're enjoying no if they're not fucking laughing you're not doing your job yeah and yeah it's there's some really good points in that i to get back to your original question, where do I see myself in a year's time? The realistic thing would be for me to be doing opening 20s. Okay. Like that's what I should be aiming at. But I would only be doing that if I really work hard yeah. and make some... It's like I was saying about the Up the Creek gig where mm. there were people that were really into it and people that weren't. There's some of the more obtuse stuff that you can save for your, your longer shows. Yep. And then... In the same way as when you do the gong show or up the, or the blackout, you just go, well, just make it all funny. Yeah. Make it all funny and as tight as you can possibly get it. Get 20 minutes of that together and you'll be a 20-minute opener. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. But that's it's not unachievable. But I think, you know, it's a really good question to ask. Where do you see, see yourself in a year's time? Because it makes you say, well, I want to do that. How do I get to be that? And you don't get to be a 20-minute opener or whatever your goal is by just muddling along the way you have done you need to yeah because no one's going to bring you out of the open mic circuit you've got to do absolutely, it absolutely yeah yeah 
No one owes you a gig. Nope. No one. And that's, I think that the open mic circuit in London is very seductive because it's, it can be quite generous and it can feel like you're actually, you know, doing really well in a small pond. Yeah. You know, you're doing okay. But it's also very enjoyable socially. Yeah. I know a lot of people. So if I go to gigs now, if I go to the Cavendish tonight, there'll be two or three people there that I, that I know and yeah. like and enjoy having a chat with. And that is, that is seductive. But if you're being really hard asked about this, like, I want to get something out of this, mm. I, want to be, I want to be a working comedian, yeah. then probably need to be approaching it a completely different way. Yeah, that's what I'm... Because we're both quite lucky because we can do work-wise, we can do our own thing, more yes. or less. So we, we've got the ability to... Maybe don't go into work till 11 o'clock and then do a gig in the evening. Yep. All that sort of kind of... I think it's going to help in the long term. Mm. It's, it's a real problem for me at the moment that the more I gig and the more into it I get and the more mentally involved I get in, in writing and performing, mm. uh, the more distracted I get from work. I mean, really distracted from work where you look at your work, you know, you get, a, get an email from somebody you're doing some work for yeah, and you just want to write back, and you go, "Didn't you see me at the Camden <laughs> Head last night? I was awesome. Are you aware of who you're dealing with? You know, I can't be dealing with this. <laughs> this is too mundane for a, a talent like right. mine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did some work on my car last week, and the mechanic goes, "I had to replace the whole rear subframe on the mini," <clears> and the mechanic goes, "I'm actually quite impressed with your work. Your talents are wasted." So like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be doing that. I'm, I'm a comedian, not living mechanic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're coming to the end. Is there anything you want to plug your show, perhaps? No, uh, you can see me at any number of open mic <laughs> gigs here in London. <laughs> if you want to know when and where I'm playing, just show up at an open mic night in London. You'll, I'll probably be there at some point. Have you got your own website? You must have. I don't. Even though that's what you do. No, but I, I don't have anything to promote yet. Ah, okay. I don't, I don't see the point in... Promoting that I'm going to be I get you. that I'm going to be at the comedy bin gig on Tuesday. <laughs> it's it's not, you know that yeah. that to me at this stage, considering I don't even have any video footage that I'm prepared to share. Really? No, I don't want to. A, I don't want people knowing the jokes before they see me. Fair enough. Which is you know not that anyone's going to see the video footage and say yes I need to get down to the Torriano to see this guy. <laughs> yeah. But and also once it's out there you can't get it back. And mm. if I look at my early footage. I don't want anyone seeing that. That's me. That's me growing up. That's me learning. Yeah. And I, I'm very protective of that. So in terms of having a website, why would I? You know, is it going to help anyone book me? No. Alan was saying that he used his Lurgershaw gig video and got some gigs off of that because it was like 15 minutes. Yep. Um, I've got mine, but I haven't. I've used it for competitions and stuff just to say, you know, I can mm. do 10 minutes and be good. Yeah. Hasn't specifically got anything back yet. I use my website to promote this mostly. Ah, okay. Yeah. What's your what's web, web address? Just my name. Right. jamesquinton.co.uk at jamesquinton on Twitter in case you want to follow that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no one does. Yeah. <laughs> my work um, big Twitter account's got more than I have. I, I don't see the need of, I don't see the, the need to promote myself at the moment. I'm still working on being good. And yes. I think it's a distraction because so if you sit down, to, let's say you, you're going you're to spend a day sorting out your comedy stuff, yeah. which means a certain amount of <clears throat> admin, a whole lot of writing. Yep. And the easiest part of that is the admin. 
Booking gigs. Booking gigs. And then you go, oh, I should do my website. And so you set that up and you go, yeah. and then you get all caught up in that. And then you, th- you know, on an ongoing basis, you go, oh, I can update my website. Or update it's a distraction. What's it doing for you? That's a good Un- point. Yeah. Unless you're actually, for me, this is my opinion, obviously. I, what's a promoter going to get? If a promoter visits my website, at this stage, it's promoters that I, I only want to mm. influence. Yeah. It's not like I have a, a show. You know, I don't have I don't have 20 minutes of material as yet. I probably do have 20 minutes of material, just not 20 minutes that I'm happy to do. Yeah. So I'm not going to try, I'm not trying to influence punters to come along to to gigs anywhere. Yeah. You know, uh, once I have something, once I feel like I'm a saleable product, you know, I can come and do this gig and I, yeah. I, I know how to handle it and I think it's going to be good. And this sounds like I'm really down on myself and I'm not. I just feel like I'm, I'm very realistic about it. And I see a lot of people putting all this effort into having a Facebook page for their for their comedy. Yeah, I wouldn't, I'm not going to bother doing that, I don't think. You know? And you look at all the dates and it's, it's uh, you know, comedy bin and uh, whatever various little, you know, party piece and all that. Yeah. Which are fine open mic gigs. But what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> Have you got anything to plug? <laughs> oh. At least that was a no. no. That was a no. Yeah, uh, no. Or in if you're in if you're in Edinburgh in August, come and see yep. uh, Nick Ellery and Ben Clover. Return to Superglad. Return to Superglad. Return to ah. Superglad. At ten thirty, top deck of the bus at the Free Sisters. And you can find that information on Nick's website. <laughs> well, you'll be able to find it on the edfringe.com. Cool. So that's it for this week's episode. I've been JQ. I've been Nick Ellery. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure.